0: Welcome to all the Star Trek and sci fi fans out there. This is Trex in Sci Fi.
1: Hello, out there to all the Star Trek, sci fi, and Star Wars fans listening. This is Trex in Sci Fi, and this is your host, Rico, for February the 18th, 2007. This will be show number 104. We're going to be looking at a next generation episode this week, Data's Day. Which is a real fan favorite. A lot of people on the forums really enjoy it, so I thought it was definitely time to look at this great data centered episode of Next Generation. I'm going to talk about a cool new collectible that I got actually just yesterday. Got some Star Trek and Star Wars news and some fan or listener comments, I should say. I guess fan comments. But before that, we'll play our theme music and then we'll get rolling. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci Fi podcast.
2: Scotty, be me. Up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission.
1: Well, as always, I want to welcome everyone to the podcast for this week. This is Rico, and uh, I just want to uh, always like to say welcome to anyone who's new to the podcast or has only been listening a short time. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, seek out and download the podcast off whatever uh, network iTunes or uh, find it maybe via Podcast Alley or some other podcast uh, sites. It's uh, always a pleasure to welcome new people, and to those that have listened uh, for a long time, which the the show's been on for quite a while now, so I want to welcome all those people back as well. Well, it, uh, it was a pretty good week for me. Uh, I managed to sneak in a uh, middle-of-the-week show where I discussed at length uh, my Master Replica Studio Scale Enterprise, which I'm very pleased about. Uh, hopefully you had a chance to listen to that show uh, it's uh, it's a really nice model. I'm I'm building my uh, stand for it, uh, and I've got the acrylic cover case coming. Should be here tomorrow, and I'll put a few more pictures up of that uh, collectible, uh, which it's it's really an amazing piece. And again, I urge anyone out there who can afford it to uh, pick one up. It uh, it was also uh, the week where I finally got my taxes done, which was always uh, I kind of procrastinate a little bit on doing those just because I. I really despise the whole thing, I, I don't, uh, I just wish it was just simpler, you know, I, I wish they just took out what they needed to take out of your check each time you get paid wherever you work, and it was all taken care of, you know, it's just a, well, it's just a few hours of work that I don't really look forward to each year, but it didn't turn out too bad for me and, and for uh, my wife and us, uh, so this, uh, this uh, I'm, I'm kind of happy about that, I guess. But it's now it's good to relax. It's Sunday. It's about 10 uh, about 10.30 in the morning where I'm at right now. Get to record a podcast, look at a cool Next Generation episode, and talk sci-fi with all my friends out there listening. As far as on the news segments, uh, let's do uh, Star Trek news first. I do have a couple of listener audio comments to play. Maybe I'll intersperse those between the Star Trek and Star Wars news segments. Not a lot on the Star Trek front, uh, new coming out to, in the last week or so. There was the Toy Fair, which I think I've talked about, some some new toys uh, based on the Wrath of Khan, and some other Art Asylum figures and ships coming out, which look cool. Uh, Master Replicas, of course, doing some neat things this year for Trek, uh, a TNG tricorder and an assault phaser they're going to be putting out, so... Lots of good collectible stuff, of course, for Star Trek. Nothing much new on the movie front. Uh, It's still kind of in this uh, holding kind of pattern in a way. The script's supposed to be done. Abrams keeps, uh, it sounds like J.J. Abrams keeps going back and forth on whether he's going to actually direct the movie or not. We'll have to wait and see. The uh, enhanced Star Trek episode for this past weekend, which I've got on my TiVo, but I've got to watch still, was a muck time. That's at least what played in my area this weekend. Uh, Hopefully, for those out there who get... uh, access to seeing these uh you've had a chance to uh catch the episode looked like they put some cool new effects in this one as well some things on vulcan and that so check that out if you get a chance oh i did want to mention uh if you listen to this podcast in time check out if you get cable and you get the history channel uh, there is a new star trek special hosted by uh leonard nimoy i think it's something called beyond the final frontier something like that it's a Sort of a 40-year retrospective. Uh, It's a two-hour special playing on the History Channel. In the States, at least, it's on the History Channel tomorrow, uh, February the 19th. I think it's on at 9 p.m., and I think they rerun it again a few times this week. So check that out. Uh, Looks like a pretty good special. Uh, Those are always fun to watch, and Leonard Nimoy is hosting. So check that out, History Channel, a Star Trek special based on uh, 40 years of Trek history. So take a look for that. Well, that'll wrap up uh, my little quick update on Star Trek in the news for this past week. Uh, A few other little things, but nothing major. Uh, I always try to keep everyone up to date. I do have an audio comment here I want to play. This is uh, a fairly short one. This is from Mike in the UK. We got a lot of good feedback on that Spock's Brain uh, comedy, kind of mystery science theater take on that episode uh, from the original series. And Mike uh, seemed to enjoy it. So I'm going to play his audio comment now. Incoming transmission, Captain.
3: Hi, Rico. Mike from the UK here. I just want to say a thank you for your excellent commentary on Spock's Brain. It was a laugh a minute, and I hope you do some more. By the way, the Enterprise model looks magnificent.
1: Well, thanks a lot for that, Mike, uh, from the UK, about uh, our Spock's Brain uh, Mystery Science Theater comedy episode that we did last week. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I uh, I think we're gonna do some more of those. I got a few uh, episode ideas. I think that would be fun to uh, to make fun of. So uh, look for more of those in the future. Uh, it'll probably be you know a month or two before I tackle another one of those. I I just kind of want to intersperse things. I like to make mix things up. I've Got a few ideas for. Some other uh, interesting different episodes before that, uh, before we go down that uh, road again. But I, it looks like uh, I've I've really heard a lot of uh, positive feedback on that. Uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out, what people would think about it. Uh, and I'm glad uh, it's always good to get feedback. Uh, you can always email the show treksf at gmail.com or call the voicemail 20688treks. And I always like to get feedback about uh, especially the different kinds of podcasts, different episodes that uh, we do or we, we try to tackle each week or I try to tackle. Uh, I, I, I use the term we sometimes because I am getting a lot of help these days from people on the forums and listener feedback and all that. And and I always try to think of even though this is mostly me talking on the podcast a lot of times, I always try to think about this show as, as a group effort and and try to get as much uh, info and feedback from all the people listening as I can. So thanks for that, and stay tuned for more of those uh, mystery science theater, Trek, or even maybe Star Wars sometimes looks at uh, a little more fun look at those types of episodes and shows.
2: Somewhere in space, this may all be happening right now.
1: Well, switching over to the Star Wars news front, uh, not a lot there I want to cover this week. Uh, you know, there's a lot of neat announcements at Toy Fair. You can find that information online. I think I've talked about that previously. Uh, there is some new information about the next Star Wars video game, The Force Unleashed, uh, out there. It looks really cool, some of the video clips I've seen for that. It also looks like they're going to do a novelization, a book uh, based on the video game for that, you know, probably the storyline you know LucasArts and and a lot of the Star Wars games I think have had some pretty good storylines uh, Knights of the Old Republic series uh, they've done some uh, really good job you know these aren't just uh, you know swing a lightsaber around or shoot a blaster or or fire your uh, you know your your weapons on a X-wing or whatever type game you know there's usually uh, most of the games that they've done there's their storylines some pretty good stuff there and this Force Unleashed game that they're going to do, they're going to create a a book to go along with that. So that'll be kind of good. I remember uh, years ago they did that Shadows of the Empire uh, novel and game for, uh, I believe that was for the Nintendo 64 system. And I really enjoyed that book. I thought they had some interesting things in there, and it kind of filled the gap uh between, uh, you know, the A New Hope movie and Empire Strikes Back. So I like it when they do those kind of tie-ins and and, and try to fill out uh, things more than just you get for the game itself. So that'll be good, and and that'll be fun to look forward to. Of course, the animated series is still a a ways away. Uh, They are working on it, and 2008 is, of course, when that's going to be coming out. Uh, And the live-action series is even further out, Um, but it, uh, you know, Star Wars is always, uh, is always great. You've always got the DVDs to play. Oh, the, I think I've said before, but there is the big celebration for, uh, convention coming up, uh, towards the, uh, I guess it's Memorial Day weekend this year. Yes. And I've, yeah, I have talked about this cause I said, I, I was a little hesitant about going and still am because of the, the numbers of people. Although Arnie, uh, sent me a little note, uh, who's, who does the great Star Wars action news podcast all about, uh star Wars collectibles and collecting and, and encouraged me to attend uh, Said It's a lot of fun anyway, even with the large numbers of people that attend that show, uh, I'll definitely make it to a celebration sometime. I, I do want to get to one of the bigger star Trek conventions this year though. So I may do that instead. The big one in Vegas perhaps uh, is, is what I'm looking at. I, I still want to get out to see uh, the star Trek uh, exhibit that they have out there that I've never been able to star Trek experience, which uh as a guy who's a big Star Trek fan, it's kind of embarrassing that I've never seen that. So, uh, But anyway, uh, we'll see how things work out. So that's uh, that's it for Star Wars right now for this week. Uh, I want to switch over now to, to talking about... Um, well, we'll get into Data's Day very shortly here. I'm going to play a little promo, though, uh, for a, a World of Warcraft uh, podcast called the Elf and Dwarf Podcast. This is uh, somebody on the forums that belongs to, uh, or, or runs this podcast, excuse me. Anyway, make it simpler, I uh, will play their promo, and then I'll come back and we'll get started with Data's Day. Hi, this is Roarlands the Dwarf.
0: And I'm Adeldia the Elf.
1: And once a week we sit down for the Elf and Dwarf, a weekly podcast where we chronicle our adventures through the world of Warcraft and online gaming.
0: We also cover topics like... How to roleplay, um, how to get couples into gaming, or a couple's perspective on gaming. And uh, Rolands does a weekly uh, feature on found on the for- forums.
1: And Adeldia, every week, takes out her Safari Notebook and talks about the animals of Azeroth. At
0: least until I run out of animals.
1: Which could take a while. And so if any of this sounds interesting, feel free to hop on over to the theelfanddwarf.podbean.com. And check us out. We are also available at Podcast Alley. We are on iTunes. So, hope to see you. Well, thanks for sending in that promo to me, uh, guys uh, and and lady, I should say. It's uh, you know, it's kind of nice. I've listened to their show. It's it's very interesting to get the perspective of. Uh, uh, a husband and wife doing a World of Warcraft podcast together. They both play the game, uh, and that's uh, that's always good to uh, to see that. You know, you don't always get the female point of view on, on these online role-playing games. There are other Warcraft podcasts out there, which some are male-only, some, some have a mix, but uh, definitely check them out. I'll, I'll link their uh, site on the podcast notes for this week. One last thing I wanted to mention before I get into uh, day-to-day that episode is the and Sci-Fi Forum RPG game, starring or featuring the starship Tiberius. This music that I'm playing was created by uh, Nathan Moyer, uh, who does a great job at uh, creating some of the opening music I've used on the podcast. He created a little theme song for our RPG group uh, on the forums for our adventures aboard the USS Tiberius which has really started to roll uh, well in the last uh, week or two. Some really good uh, posts there, and I encourage anyone who's interested in doing some Star Trek role-playing to check out the forums and the RPG section. You've got to be a member of the forums to sign up and and be a member there, but uh, we always uh, appreciate new folks uh, stopping by, so check out the RPG Adventures of the USS Tiberius on the Trexan Sci-Fi Forums. Just go to treksf.com and click on the forums link. All right, the episode, Data's Day, which is from the fourth season of The Next Generation. Really a great episode. A great episode featuring Brent Spiner as Data. Uh, you get to uh, really get uh, a glimpse what Data's day is like each uh, each day of his adventures aboard the Enterprise and his always uh, uh, continuing struggle to, to learn about emotions and sort of become more human. This episode uh, first was aired in 1991, uh, January 7th, 1991. It was the story by uh, a guy named Harold Apter, a uh, teleplay by Harold Apter and Ronald D. Moore, directed by Robert Weimer. There was, uh, reading a little bit about the background and history on this episode, I guess for a time there was the, they had wished to do an episode sort of centering on uh, like a, a typical day-in-the-life uh, type storyline, which uh, this episode is obviously features that. There are a lot of wonderful uh, scenes for this episode. I am just, um, this is going to be kind of a clip type review. I I pulled out about, I think it's about nine or so clips from the episode to play. A lot of good scenes with Data and different members of the crew that he interacts with throughout his day. Uh, There are multiple uh, kind of plot threads going through this episode. There's what I call sort of the the usual, uh, you know, plot of something going on uh, affecting the Enterprise and putting them a little in danger was this, Subplot uh, of uh, this Vulcan ambassador comes aboard to Paul I'm sorry, yeah, to Paul was on Enterprise. Tappel is this enter. You know they they really like to keep these Vulcan names uh, very much alike. Tappel comes aboard. They she heads them over to the Romulan uh, neutral zone, uh, and that of course doesn't quite turn out the way they expect. There's the. uh, the things I'm going to focus, though, on when, with my discussion is is what's going on with Data in this episode. He's uh, very much involved with the upcoming o- O'Brien uh, wedding where uh, Miles O'Brien, uh, the transporter chief, is going to get married to, to uh, Keiko, and he kind of acts as sort of this uh, intermediary between the two of them because at the beginning Keiko gets cold feet, and Data's kind of stuck in the middle, and he learns a lot about uh, emotions and humans, I think, a little bit because of this situation. And, of course, this is the episode, the great episode, where Gates McFadden gets to show off her dancing skills because she was a dancer in her career at the start and continued it, I think, for a while. But she gets to dance with Brent uh, on the holodeck when he needs to learn how to dance for the wedding. And I I think that's one of the wonderful, uh, really good scenes in this. And in reading up about this, I found out that uh, Brent did a lot of his own tap dancing there and they still used a, a, a stunt double to do some of it but even though that it was said that that Brent was doing just about as good a job as the the expert stunt double dancer guy so but he did he did allow the the stunt double to to slip in there as well but they also mentioned that both Gates and Brent uh, kind of improvised some of that dance uh work that they did there and the dialogue that they have in that scene and i think that really comes across you know this is the 4th season and they, they know their characters well and I think you really get to uh, to understand that or to to see that they know their characters well enough that they can basically improvise things like that. And what they say there, I think, is is some of the best stuff in this episode for at least me. Uh, I don't want to talk too much. I'll talk as I go through the clips. But uh, that's come. You know, there's some new things that you don't see here. Uh, the Arb- arboretum, uh, which Keiko works in, as sort of the botanist on the ship. Uh, that is seen for the first time. It's talked about a, a lot of times, but that's the first time that you see that on, on the Enterprise. Uh, and and Pe- I'll mention it again towards the end of the episode, but when, when Picard eventually marries Keiko and O'Brien at the end, the words he speaks, the dialogue he speaks, is really, uh, it's word for word directly the same as what Kirk spoke in the episode Balance of Terror. At the beginning of that, Kirk is marrying a. Uh, uh, Styles and um, blanking on the the woman's name but anyway he's marrying a couple aboard his enterprise Kirk is and I'm sorry it's not Styles it's Tomlinson excuse me oh my gosh I can't believe I did that Styles is the other guy who doesn't like uh, Vulcans and uh, and the Romulans that they run into anyway uh, the dialogue that Kirk speaks during that wedding and balance of terror is the same as Picard speaks during uh, the the wedding here in this episode, but really a great episode. You really get to learn about data. The The premise here is that data is sending uh, a communicate to uh, a log entry or communication to uh, that commander Maddox guy. If you remember way back in, in one of the earlier episodes, he's the guy Maddox is the guy that wanted to kind of like disassemble data he thought of them as only as sort of an object or property. He wanted to learn about what made uh, data tick the Android uh, and you know, basically, in order to make sort of an army of Data's to man starships, uh, sort of good intentions, noble intentions, but that's what created that whole court case and uh, basically allowed Data his own rights to refuse that kind of thing. But Data has stayed into contact with Maddox and is trying to fill him in on uh, and his continuing struggles to fit into the crew, learn about emotions, and so forth. So it's a great episode, a lot of fun. I know this is a definite favorite of a lot of people that... Uh, watch Star Trek and people that listen to this podcast that have asked me to do this one so without any further ado let's play the preview uh, 30 second or so preview of Data's Day and I'll be right back a joyous day on the Enterprise
2: it is my honor to unite together two people but for Commander Data it's the beginning of a struggle to find his place in the universe I need your help
0: Data it's not that simple
2: forever isolated in a human world I believe I have much to offer a potential mate. Will he ever feel life's most cherished emotions? Find out on Star Trek The Next Generation.
1: Yeah, you know, one of, uh, when Gene Roddenberry was putting together the, the uh, the idea of the characters for The Next Generation, you know, one of the, uh, the best or, or the, the perfect fits here, really, just like Spock was for the original series, was the character of Data. Here you have a very much a, uh, a character that's trying to learn about emotions and human beings and their relationships, just like Spock was. And it, it really, it lent itself to so many good episodes and so many good moments and episodes. It was really a good idea, I think. And he's, he's definitely still different enough from the character of Spock. Spock was always struggling with trying to conceal and, and and kind of, suppresses emotions, where Data is actually trying to become, in a way, more emotional, trying to become less logical. And there's a there's a comment, I'm not sure if I uh, I collected it when I was collecting the clips, but there's a comment in the beginning of this, or near the beginning when the, the Vulcan, uh, supposed Vulcan at least, ambassador comes aboard to Pell, and Data says something about uh, he finds the Vulcan philosophy of logic, uh, it's similar to the way he is, but he finds it kind of limited. And I think that's an interesting comment about the fact that you know data is really evolved enough to realize that that pure logic isn't isn't really enough to to if you really want to study uh, different beings and the universe that being a purely logical uh you know whatever uh, being a, a purely logical Vulcan isn't maybe the best way to do that. So lots of good stuff. Oh, the um, couple other little things. The spot, uh, Data's cat, is uh, is introduced in this episode for the first time. He doesn't call him by name yet, but you see Data's cat uh, for the first time in his quarters here when Data feeds him a little food and he jumps up on Data's lap. And I thought that was an interesting thing. The, uh, the The stories I've heard from Brent Spiner and over the years at conventions and different discussions was that that cat was not, and they had multiple different spots that they used throughout uh, TNG But that cat was not the easiest uh, cat to work with. Uh, You know, there's a saying, I think, in show business, never work with uh, small children or animals because it's always problems. And I guess the cat was – they spent a lot of time getting him to do certain things. You know, okay, this is the scene where where Spot's supposed to jump up on Data's lap, you know, and they would spend hours trying to get that to happen and things like that. So uh, Brent uh, – the funny thing about Brent Spiner, I think, that uh, he's actually – for the actors, I think on the show, he's almost the last guy I would think they would have picked to you or to play the character of Data, just because he's really a funny guy, pretty emotional. Uh, he he doesn't really fit the mold of of an android or a logical, very you know, character very much. But I could see they they found uh, somebody that that did work very well for the part. So I I think they did a great job. You know. Next Generation, I think, is a very well-cast show. I think they, they picked actors that fit the roles very, very well. I think that's a tribute to uh, to Gene Roddenberry's ability to, to cast, just like he did with the original series. And Next Generation was no exception for that. All the Star Trek series, I think they did a great job on the casts and the different actors they picked for the roles. But Next Generation, I think they really meshed together, and they really became a tight-knit group, too, over the years, and it shows. So let's go to another clip here the the next one this is very much at the the beginning of the episode this is where data is discussing what he's talking about or what he's going through and he's uh recording this information for maddox and it kind of sets the tone for the episode so here you go
2: second officer's personal log stardate 44390.1 record entry for transmission to commander bruce maddox cybernetics division daystrom institute dear commander maddox in reference to your most recent letter, I agree that your study lacks sufficient primary source information on my programming and operation. Therefore, in response to your request, this correspondence will include a complete record of my activities during a normal day, with particular emphasis on my perceptions of friendship.
1: So there you have the, the setup for the episode. Data's uh, date is, uh he basically handles the the night shift on the Enterprise, uh, being the second officer just below uh, Commander Riker in the command hierarchy on, on board. So he gets, uh, you get a, a feel for what he has to go through each day. The, you know, the, the tricky thing there is, you know, most of the other episodes you see Data uh, in the, uh, you know, the ops position on the bridge during the day with uh, the rest of the crew, but as he's being a... Uh, android i guess he doesn't need to rest so he can do that job too i didn't record the there's an exchange at the beginning where keiko basically is kind of getting cold feet about the wedding and tells that to data because data is supposed to be sort of the father of the bride and give uh, keiko away at the wedding to o'brien and she's she's having second thoughts and she kind of sends data off to talk to miles and and that's the, the kind of opening scene before the credits. Miles kind of gets upset and runs off to talk to Keiko. And Data doesn't understand it because Data is told from Keiko that it will make her happier if they don't get married for right now or whatever. And so Data is thinking, oh, this is going to please Chief O'Brien. He'll go in and tell him that that Keiko's going to be happier. And this is why she's happier because she's calling off the wedding. And then he kind of storms out a little bit. And that catches Data by surprise. He doesn't understand that reaction uh, because he thinks that uh, Chief O'Brien should be happy because Keiko's happier. But as Data realizes more and more throughout this episode and throughout his, um, you know, the rest of TNG, that these things with uh, humans and emotions aren't as simple as that. So the next uh, clip, though, that I got to play for you is this is a scene that is kind of interesting. This is a Worf is in at this little replicator station, kind of like a little shopping uh, center on the Enterprise, where he's trying to pick out a gift to give to uh, Chief O'Brien and Keiko for their wedding, and they're scanning through different different uh, choices, and it'll basically it'll replicate and pop out whatever you decide upon. And Data goes in there to talk to Worf about what's going on, and and this is a important scene at least because this is where Data realizes that he's going to have to dance at the wedding because he's talking to Worf about. Human weddings and, and Worf is obviously not really a, a big fan of going to these things, but well, listen to the clip, you'll know what I'm talking about.
2: Have you ever been an actual participant in a human wedding? No. You would not consider it to be an honor? An honor, perhaps. But human bonding rituals often involve a great deal of talking and dancing and crying. Dancing.
1: Yeah, so uh, Brent or uh, I'm sorry, Data discovers there that uh, being, especially the father of the bride, so to speak, in this uh, in this episode, he's got to be uh, be able to dance at the wedding. And I can I can sympathize with uh, Data's plight there. I'm not uh, uh, dancing and me aren't really the best of friends. I, I can manage it a little bit. Uh, I've done, a, you know, well. Let's just say it's um, when I go to these things, it's. All right, I'll do a couple of dances, and then that's about it. Wallflower for me, mostly. So so Data decides to um, do a little investigating, and eventually he realizes that uh, Dr. Crusher has some dancing in her background in, in her Starfleet record uh, when she was uh, much uh, younger, when she was first learning to be a doctor, I think it is, and that. So uh, he decides he needs to go talk to Dr. Crusher about this whole dancing thing, which uh, leads me to the next clip. Here you go.
2: Doctor, may I ask a favor of you?
0: Of course, Data.
2: Would you teach me to dance? What? I would like to learn how to dance. Why me? It was in your service record. Awarded first prize tap and jazz competition, St. Okay,
0: Louisville. okay.
2: Have I said something to upset you?
0: It's just that that was a long time ago. And I don't want to be known as the Dancing Doctor again.
2: And your answer is no.
0: All right, but let's keep this between you and me. Of course, Doctor.
2: Commander Data,
1: please report to the bridge. Acknowledged. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good scene there. Uh, I, I really like the fact that they use uh, Gates McFadden, uh, something that she's very good at, to uh, to a good, uh, you know, to a very good degree in this with the dancing thing in this episode. Uh, she really looks like she has a lot of fun with that. I'll talk about more w- about that when we get to that clip. But uh, what I wanted to say about this episode, the th- one thing that I really like about this, besides the whole, you know, you're learning a lot more about Data and what he's going through day to day, is just you get to see things um, from sort of a different point of view in this episode, more from Data, more from some of the other crew members. It isn't just sort of a, a Picard episode or the Enterprise is going to blow up, what are we going to do kind of thing or, or whatever with the main characters. This reminds me a little bit of that episode, Lower Decks, from the uh, from the later seasons, or I don't know when that was, six or seven maybe. But anyway, you, you see things on the Enterprise that you don't normally see. You get to realize that the ship runs 24 hours a day. You get to see the crew uh, doing different things. Geordi goes to get a haircut. Uh, uh, Dr. Crusher dancing. Somebody's going to have a baby. There's a wedding. Lots of things different from your typical uh, Star Trek episode, Star Trek Next Generation episode. Uh, stuff that you don't always see. You see data's cat for the first time. You see data interacting with a lot of the different characters. Uh, their different roles. He talks about uh, uh, he talks about Commander Riker and his his ability to joke around and but the fact that he's got a very good um, rapport with the crew and loyalty there, a different command style than, than Captain Picard but but his own it's his own kind of command style and and just lots of little nuances and different things in this episode that I think really make it shine and make it a a really great entry in the next generation uh list of uh great episodes so i really like all those different things and i like any of the shows that they kind of do things off the beaten path to some degree so the next uh next clip is this is a scene with uh chief o'brien where he goes to visit data in his quarters this is the scene with uh where Data's gone in there and is feeding his cat, and and Chief O'Brien comes in and is kind of talking to uh, Data about uh, Keiko and, and if Data can maybe go talk to her. So listen to this.
2: I came to ask for your help. It's about Keiko. I'd like you to talk to her, convince her to go through with the wedding. Would Counselor Troy not be a more appropriate choice to speak with Keiko? She already has. Didn't help You've known her longer than I have. I just thought she might listen to you. She won't even talk to me. I do not know what to say to her. Oh, just talk with her. Make her see reason. She's going off half cocks not thinking this through. You've worked with her for a long time. She respects your opinion. Perhaps, perhaps she has not fully analyzed her decision. I will try. Thank you, sir. I won't forget this.
1: Yeah, you can see Data's a, a very uh, val- valued member of the crew. He, he's he's really good friends with a lot of these people, and they respect uh, what he has to say, and he's got some influence there, which is very interesting. You know, they, they treat him definitely as a member of the crew, as as sort of a human in a way, and not an android. They've never really done that, so it's I really like that. Uh, I like that he fits in so well, and he's got good friends to... Uh, to talk to and to count on. And, and Jordy is uh, probably his best friend, but, oh, you know, chief and Keiko and, and everyone else really find him, um, you know, somebody they can confide in and talk to the next clip. This is going to be the, probably the longest one. I think I've got uh, a couple minutes. This one is the clip, of course, when uh, data and uh, Dr. Crusher go off and dance on the holodeck, really a, a fun scene. Uh, she starts off trying to teach him tap dancing and, he picks up that really quickly and then he he drops the bomb that he she doesn't realize at first was that he really needs to learn how to how to sort of ballroom dance to dance at this wedding he needs to dance more formally not not tap or jazz dancing or whatever i'm not a dance expert but i think she's at first thinking this is more of a a long-term dance kind of thing that he wants to learn all different kinds of things but and then he finds, or she finds out that he wants to learn just to dance, be able to dance well at the wedding, and he, which, of course, he picks up very well as, uh, and quickly. Since he's an android, he can pretty much, uh, once you show him something, he can pretty much mimic it and do it. Uh, although the little nuances of dancing, uh, about changing things up and mixing things up, he still, uh, he still has that ability to do that. You know, Data's a very sophisticated machine, very sophisticated android, and he doesn't just repeat back. He has... He has the ability to make things different and improvise and change things up. So, uh, I'll play the dancing scene for you now.
0: Why don't I just teach you a style of dancing that they will do at the wedding? Computer, run. Isn't it romantic? Now, compared to what we've just done, this will be simple. Just look up and follow me. One, two, ready, and... No, Data, wait a minute. Ow! No, no. You're just moving to move slowly. Ow! Ow! Stop music! Sorry, Doctor. I don't understand, Data. You picked up the tap dancing so quickly.
2: I cannot reproduce your performance if I cannot see your feet.
0: Uh. All right. Well, let's try it again. And this time, watch my feet. Computer, start music. And... Now, don't just imitate me. You've got to lead.
2: Lead where, Doctor?
0: Well, indicate to your partner where you want her to step.
2: And how is that accomplished?
0: I'll show you. I'll lead. Now, you'll notice that I don't just repeat the same pattern over and over. I improvise. Now, you lead. Good. Now look up, Data. Look into my eyes. You're holding me too
2: tight. This is a very complex set of variables to coordinate, Doctor.
0: You are doing fine. Now, smile. Act like you're enjoying yourself. Doctor Crusher, please report to sickbay. Is it Lieutenant Juarez? Yes, Doctor. Her contractions are now one minute apart. I'm on my way. Why don't you uh, program up an artificial dance partner? And don't be afraid to experiment.
2: I will. Thank you, Doctor. Computer, create dance partner. Female.
1: Yeah, I, I like that uh, like that scene a lot. Uh, probably one of my favorite parts of this episode. It's just, uh, it's really fun to see the, the crew, the, the characters doing something, again, like I've been saying throughout Doing something different, and again using Doctor Crusher in a really different way. Data gets a chance to dance, gets a chance to dance with a, a holographic uh, dance partner. There, uh, it's uh, and the and the funny smile that he puts on that Brent does in that uh, in that scene is just classic. It's a it's a classic scene of Next Generation. Really like it a lot. Now, like I said earlier, the the other thing going on in this episode is this whole thing about the Enterprise picking up this Vulcan ambassador T'Pel and and taking her to the to the Romulan neutral zone area, and they run into and meet up with this Romulan warbird ship, and while well, they try to beam her over, supposedly it's to create some kind of diplomatic uh, or do some kind of diplomatic mission, and it, it appears to the Enterprise at least that they lose her transporter pattern in the in the beam over process and that she is she dies and I will play a clip uh, related to that. This is, I think, when they're investigating uh, what happened on the transporter uh, uh, beam incident and, and what was going on there. The only
2: abnormality found during my investigation was a temporary increase in the matter to energy signal ratio. Due to the circumstances, I decided to investigate the possibility that a second transporter signal had caused the fluctuation. Although this is highly improbable, it was the only remaining theory. A second transporter signal from where? From the divorce, Romulan transporters
3: operate on a similar subspace frequency to our own. With only minor adjustments, they can be made to simulate our own transporter carrier wave. Are you
2: saying they beamed the Ambassador off our own pad? While simultaneously, a small amount of genetically similar material was left in the Ambassador's place. To make us believe that she had died as a result of the malfunction?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, they, you know... They decided, they did this on, on Next Generation quite a bit. You know, they'd have a, a, a cool, neat story going on like day to day here. And then they decided, you know, they would put in, they decided they need some kind of overall, you know, danger scenario going on also in the Enterprise. So they throw in this other plot about T'Pel and she turns out to really be a Romulan, which the next clip I'll play for you here in a second tells you that. But it's... Um, it's okay, I guess. It doesn't really over... Uh, they don't overdo that part of the plot in the episode. I think it's it's okay to slide it in there. Is it completely necessary? I don't know. For me, it's not really. I, I feel, it, to me, that this episode is really about Data and what he's going through and the emotions and and interacting with the different characters and crew and everything like that. But I'll play this other clip. This is just to sort of wrap up the, the plot thread of of the Romulan um Uh, conspirator or Tapel or whatever spy to finish that off but like I said I I think they just kind of threw that in there because they they feel that each week the Enterprise has to have some kind of Jeopardy thing going on so here's the rest of that uh, storyline Tapel.
0: Sub-Commander Selak actually
2: a spy a patriot captain she has performed her service to the Empire with distinction
0: thank you for your help, captain.
2: You see now that we are not holding one of your citizens, and we thank you for returning our sister to us. But my patience has limits. The game is over. I expect you to leave peacefully now. Captain, long-range sensors detect 3 Robulin warbirds entering the sector. Some days you get the bear, and some days the bear gets you. Reverse course. Take us back into Federation territory. Warp Six. Engage.
1: Okay, well, so we've got that part of the storyline out of the way. You know, it was okay. It, it was. The, they dealt with Romulan spies and things like that before. It was kind of tacked on, I felt, that part of the storyline, but. Again, still, an, it doesn't really take away to me from, from this still being a really excellent episode and, and mostly about Data and, and the wedding of O'Brien and Keiko. The interesting thing when I read up again on the episode was they were actually toying with the idea of, of marrying Picard off for a while in Next Generation, thinking that would uh, create a lot of uh, new story ideas and things going on and not a bad idea really completely, but... I think it's much more interesting this way. I think Picard never really gives you the idea ever that he's uh, somebody who would get married. Uh, He's kind of married to Starfleet always like Kirk was. And I think that with uh, another marriage is is just as interesting. And it's good to see that the crew doesn't just sit around and do their duty and, and they don't have personal lives as well, which this episode shows you that too. And I like the idea that there's a baby born in this episode. I didn't capture that clip, but Picard goes at the very end to visit uh, the new baby, the Juarez baby that you hear. Uh, that uh, clip there when Dr. Crusher has to go out and help deliver the new child uh, is happening right at the same time that the Warbird and the Enterprise are having their sort of standoff. And, you know, the Next Generation ship and and series was always conceived by Gene Roddenberry to be a family uh ship that these people would be out in space for such extended periods of time that they would bring their families aboard. They, yeah, there was dangers that would show up from time to time but they were in Starfleet and they understood that instead of being away from their families for for many months and and a long periods of time, they would bring them along and, and you see that a little bit more in this episode too. The next scene this is uh, well, a couple of clips left and, and we'll be wrapping this up. This scene is at the wedding. This plays some of the dialogue, again, like the Picard says, just like Kirk's wedding dialogue from Balance of Terror. So here you go with uh, Keiko and O'Brien's wedding.
2: Since the days of the first wooden sailing ships, all captains have enjoyed the happy privilege of joining together two people in the bonds of matrimony. And so it is my honor to unite you, Keiko Ishikawa, And you, Miles Edward O'Brien, together in matrimony. There are still many human emotions I do not fully comprehend anger, hatred, revenge. But I am not mystified by the desire to be loved or the need for friendship. These are things I do understand.
1: Nice, uh, nice scene there. The the then of course Data gets a chance to dance with Keiko. He does a good job, smiles and everything. It, it's it's very nice to see that, and I like the fact that uh, they got a chance to show uh, show something uh, of a happy thing and that happens to Data, and he gets to partake in in a very happy uh, human uh, ceremony. So. The last uh, clip that I have, this is at the very end of the episode. kind of rounds things out. This kind of uh, is uh, circles uh, Data's day. He comes back now onto uh, taking over for the night shift uh, part of his uh, routine uh, to the bridge uh, and relieves uh, Worf from his uh, command duties. So listen to this, and I'll come back in a second.
2: Very well. I have the bridge. Bye, sir. If being human is not simply a matter of being born flesh and blood, If it is instead a way of thinking, acting, and feeling, then I am hopeful that one day I will discover my own humanity. Begin night watch. Until then, Commander Maddox, I will continue learning, changing, growing, and trying to become more than what I am.
1: Cool episode, day to Day. Really uh, one of my favorites. Uh, it kind of surprises me after more than 100 podcasts I never have covered this Next Generation episode. Thanks to the folks that have uh, been asking to uh, have me do this one. I really uh, liked looking at this again. Next Generation, just such a great series. Great uh, bunch of uh, actors and characters. Really rich. Got a chance to, to uh, go for seven seasons and really had a chance to look at... Uh, a lot of different issues and things and th- in this episode they really got a chance to hey i am e- somebody emailed me a long time ago i'm using that word really a lot but uh, <laughs> i try to try to avoid that but i enjoyed this one a lot the next clip though that i'm going to play for you this it wouldn't be really complete if we didn't get a, a father and son review from uh, rick moyer and nathan his son about their take on data's day so listen to uh the Moyers uh, talk about this episode for the next few minutes, and then I'll be coming back after that with a look at a new collectible of mine. So here are the Moyers with their look at Data's Day.
3: Hey, everybody in Trex and Sci-Fi. This is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this is the, the Father, Father and Son, and Son Review. Review. Well, today is one of our favorite episodes ever. Thank you, Rico, for reviewing Data's Day. It was made in 1991. That was only uh, Nathan was only one year old when it came out. 16 years ago. Yeah, pretty crazy. That's cool. So this week we thought we would uh, do our review. Both of us kind of suffering with a cold, so bear with us. Excuse us for my my head cold I have here. Yeah, you sound like Rico. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, we want to do a few one liners about the show. We'll kind of. Uh, this is what we call the, the first, first time, time for, for everything. everything. Okay, this episode is really cool because it's the first time for seeing Spot Data's cat. We never know if he's a guy or a girl, because. Well, one episode he's a guy, and then the next episode he—well, some episodes later he—he he, uh, has kitten, kittens, and then turns into an iguana, and that's beside. It. Oh, that's true. He does turn into a lizard when he de-evolves. De- okay. Uh, also, it's the first time that we see Keiko, uh, who who becomes Chief O'Brien's wife, and then of course she goes through the whole Deep Space Nine series too. Yeah, so she kind of got a good regular acting gig out of this out of this uh, shot here. Which is kind of cool. Uh, It's the first time for... Wharf at the shopping mall. That's right. We never... The first time and only time that we ever see a shopping mall, the replicator room. On the Enterprise, remember that was hilarious. All these, like the little kid in the background with the teddy bear. This or the does bunny. not remind me of you. Yeah, Data. We pick things that are that remind us of. Yeah, that was hilarious. Okay, and then uh, of course this is also one of our favorite times when we see the dancing doctor. That's right, and Data's silly smile when he turns around and he's dancing with that one chick. Yeah, that's very funny. We also see Romulans posing as Vulcans. Oh, that one chick Topel Topel, I think was her name. Do yes. you think that's where they got Tapal from? I think T'Pel. there's lots of ts. T- t- you're to Nathan. To Rick. <laughs> oh, one of our favorite things, of course, in this episode is when we're introduced to the Blue Barbers, which we happen to be bullions on the RPG game on the forums. I'm uh uh, I'm Counselor Margon. And, and you am Brex. Brex, that's right. And we're bullions, so we're blue and we have ridges that run all the way. Well, things are better with ridges. There's more flavor, right? Or spots. Or spots. Oh, yeah, well, we're bullions but and we're not, blue. We're not trills. No, we're not trills. Okay, and then, of course, it's the first time that we see the infamous... Yeah, the Arboretum. Arboretum. Let's go for a walk in the Arboretum. Yes, that's I very cool. They also talk about swimming in there, and I don't think... Well, we never saw any water. Yeah, we did see... Uh, remember we saw water in the episode where uh, Deanna's mom, Mrs. Troy, was experiencing all that weird stuff going on, and we saw okay. water in the Arboretum? Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, let's see. Things that we have learned from this episode. We tried to do celebrity sightings, but we, there really wasn't a whole lot of celebrities on this one. I mean, just the normal cast and, and a few guest stars, but they really didn't go on to do a whole lot of stuff that we could find. Uh, but things that we learned from this episode or we do because of this episode, we have a cat here named Stripey. And what's his nickname? Lunkhead. That's our, our, one of our favorite spots in that show is when, when Data is uh, talking with... Uh, Excuse me? Yeah, when Data's talking with uh, Jordy, and Jordy goes, uh, he goes, "I do not something you lunkhead," and Jordy goes, "Excuse, Excuse me? me? Oh, I'm experimenting with friendly jives and insults." I suggest not trying that with the captain anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, no, I love that part. Uh, let's see. The other one uh, we we thought was funny too was that line when Data says, "I've got good news. <laughs> Keiko has canceled the wedding." Of all the yeah, we we just think that's very funny. This is I think this is one of my all-time favorite episodes of the next generation yep me too and it was the uh, cheapest I, one too i think I, well well, well yeah it didn't cost a whole lot of money to do and yet it was one of the most favorite episodes i had this idea and i was talking to nathan about it before uh they should have done this more often like had crusher's day you know or wesley's day or I think we had enough of Wesley's Day. <laughs> you didn't like Wesley. I liked Wesley. I used to like Wesley. Well, all, what do you give this episode? I give it five. Five out of five stars? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I do, too. I think it's one of the best episodes. Uh, date is day. Thanks, Rico, for reviewing it. We really enjoy your reviews. You're awesome. Uh, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this has been the Father and, and Son, Son Review. review.
1: Well, Rick and Nathan, thanks as always for your father and son review of Data's Day. Yeah, I really like the parts that you guys mentioned. Uh, I didn't, uh, a couple of those I didn't capture on clips. The Lunkhead comment to Geordi was great. And the, you know, the scene where he goes in, I talked about, I think a little bit, where he goes in and tells Miles uh, that the wedding is off and and Data's kind of happy about it because it's going to make Keiko happy, but of course that doesn't... uh, That's not uh, Chief O'Brien's reaction. So, yeah, thanks as always, guys. I really love those father and son reviews of the episodes and gives me a little different perspective about uh, what other people like about the episode. Definitely a, a great episode, one of my favorites as well. So thanks for that again, guys. The um, the collectible, before I talk about the collectible, I did want to mention, I forgot I was going to do this earlier in the show, but I did go to see the new, uh, I guess it's sort of a sci-fi thing, but it's more of a comic book and fantasy thing. I did see the new Ghost Rider movie, the Marvel comic, uh, based off the Marvel comic, Ghost Rider movie. Went yesterday with my younger son, who's Octerius on the forums, and another friend who's also on the forums, Mark and R.O., we both... All three of us went out to our local uh, theater to see Ghost Rider yesterday, matinee show, and I really liked it. Nick Cage does a great job as Ghost Rider. The effects are awesome. They actually, this movie was done a while ago, the footage, the the main footage of it, but they spent uh, some extra time and money and and created a lot Better and, and more spectacular special effects, and I think it really shows that it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. But it is a definitely a good time at the movies if you if you like comic book type things like this. Definitely check out Ghost Rider in the theaters. They they did a great job. I was I never really read Ghost Rider that much. One of the rare of the Marvel comics at least series that I never really picked up. Uh, big X Men, Spider Man fan, uh, the main uh, those main ones. Uh, Fantastic Four, I read quite a while. So a lot of the main Marvel characters I know real well, but uh, Ghost Rider never really read, but I might pick up some trade paperbacks now. So check that out in the theaters. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, the collectible I'm going to talk about today. This is a, uh, a Star Wars item. I just actually came uh, via FedEx yesterday, so it's fresh. Uh, actually, as I just unpacked it here this morning, I can still smell the paint. What, I, what I'm looking at now is the Uh, Sideshow Toys Jabba the Hutt uh, Inclusive Edition which means it comes with a little extra goody uh, Jabba the Hutt 1-6 scale figure and this is a really cool piece. I've never really had uh, a Jabba uh, figure from Star Wars before. I think I had maybe a small one from a The Hasbro toy lines, or something like that, somewhere, but nothing really major. But this is uh, a—it's in, like I said, one-sixth scale, which uh, uh, the excuse me, Sideshow is putting out all these one-sixth scale uh, figures uh, for Star Wars. They've done Luke and Anakin and Han, and they're doing a Princess Leia coming out in the Boosh disguise or Bosch, however you say it, uh, from. The Return of the Jedi movie, and they've done maybe about 10 or so now, I think, approximately. I have most of them uh, in 1-6 scale with with very cool accessories and costumes. And I've talked about a few of those before. So those figures, those action figures, I guess you'd call them action figures. Some people like to call them dolls. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just call them figures. They uh, they will work with this Joppa figure in the same scale. It's in a 1-6 scale. This comes a, a very well packed. Uh, it's uh, I guess it's made mainly out of uh, like a vinyl plastic material that's been painted and detailed very well to uh, of course look like Jabba. And I'm looking at it. It's sitting here on my desk as I'm recording this uh, right now. Like I said, it still smells of fresh paint. It has some drool like Jabba does. They did the eyes really well. His pupils are different sizes. I don't know if you if anyone out there uh, listening notice notices that in Return of the Jedi, but you know the eyes on Jabba were a little funky. They didn't kind of match each other very well, and they captured that in this piece uh, very well, I think. He's got a little crack on his tail, uh, a detail. He's got this little uh, tattoo on his his right arm, I guess, which I remember from the movie. It almost always, to me, looks like an anchor. I'm not really sure what that t- tattoo was supposed to signify, but it's kind of like was was Jabba in the you know the navy or something. I don't know, but he's he's fat and he's. You know, they did a great job at detailing them. It looks really good. I'm going to have to find a good spot on the shelves that I've got for him. It doesn't come with any kind of a display case, so that's a little unfortunate. Again, another item that I'm going to probably have to figure out a way to, to purchase some kind of a display case for it sometime. I usually get things from uh, IKEA, but I think the standard cases that I've been getting from them, I don't think they're going to work for this. He's, he's fairly large. He's about 20 inches long, about a foot tall, maybe about a foot wide. Uh, at his girth, uh, I, I didn't realize until looking at him that Jabba was quite as, is as, as wide as he is. He's, uh, or fat forward, at least when you look at him on the side, you don't really see him on a, on a side view very much in the movie. You see him face on, but when you see him from the side, he he's he's got a big belly, let's just say so. So anyway, this is Sideshow's uh piece. Uh, they they're doing a great job with the Star Wars line and this is no exception. This one uh, it's a special in- they call it like an inclusive edition. It comes with a an extra little goodie. And this one comes with a little goblet. If you remember in the movie, he he has this little goblet to kind of toast uh, when uh, Luke is going to and his friends are going to be put into that pit out out in the desert. And he's got this little goblet uh, item that comes along with this one. You can get a regular edition. Unfortunately, I think uh, I was just checking Sideshow's website. I think everything's kind of sold out. But if you're interested in this, I highly recommend you get on what's, what Sideshow Toys does. They have this uh, wait list feature. And you can click on that. You can sort of place a waitlist order. And what happens, what I've noticed with a lot of items from Sideshow is a lot of people order these things, but some of them return them. Some of them cancel their orders because they do pre-orders for these items way, way in advance, months in advance. And by the time it comes around to when the orders ship, a lot of times people cancel their orders, so if you are interested in this item, check out the waitlist for Sideshow. It definitely works. I actually, I think everything I've ever tried waitlisting on this actually, this Java piece that I'm looking at right now, I think I waitlisted because the special edition version, the one with the little goblet extra goodie, uh, was uh, sold out when I first tried to order it. So I just got on the waitlist, and I eventually got it. So uh, those things work. I did want to say uh, this also has a. Uh, the you know that throne Jabba sits on with the railing and all the other little details, that's a separate item that you can get. Uh, it's it's kind of expensive when you put it all together. That plus Jabba, uh, Jabba was around a hundred or so. The the throne is around two hundred. Uh, it's kind of a little depressing to me that the throne, the little base that he sits on, that you can order for, it, it costs tw- almost twice as much as he does the the, the, the Java figure at least and you can get his little pets uh, salacious chrome and and that to put around him. so there's a lot of little extras but once you get all all that stuff together it's a really wonderful display if you're a, a fan of Star Wars and Java this is this is probably one of the best general giant is also doing a Java piece that's coming out uh, sometime this year not sure of the exact date on that so you might want to check that out and compare the two that one costs a little bit more but I think that's an all-in- one piece I think you get everything kind of with that one. As far as his his base he sits on and everything, so that's more of a sculpture rather than a figure, which this is. So, so there you have it. I'll put some pictures like I usually do up in the gallery and link it in the podcast notes. So the job of the hut item from uh, the one six scale figure from Sideshow Toys, great piece. Really did a nice job detailing it. I, I really like it. I was kind of a little on the fence uh, until I unpacked it, but once I took a look at it, uh, I really uh, really like it. So it's a great addition if you're a Star Wars fan to your collection. So check it out. Uh, I'll link Sideshow Toys also in the podcast notes for this week. Well, folks, that's going to just about do it. We're about around the one-hour mark or so. It's going to wrap things up for Treks in Sci-Fi this week. I think that covers everything. Oh, I probably am going to have a new contest. Uh, it's kind of a different kind of contest uh, for next week with, it, with sort of a big uh, grab bag of, of prizes, sort of a... Well, I'll talk more about it on next weekend's show. I'm going to get that together this weekend. I'll announce it then. So I think people will enjoy that. And so stay tuned for that next weekend. Also, stay tuned to the Treks, TreksSF, TreksInSciFi.com. Either of those will get you there. Website, I try each week, uh, early in the week, to post what's going to be coming up on next week's show. So watch out for that. And thanks again, as always, for listening. Uh, check out Podcast Alley. Please place a vote for the show if you're enjoying it. And I will talk to you again very soon. This is Rico signing off for this week. Take care, everyone. This has been a Rick Dostey Podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and so that's how you show excitement. All by right, talk a little okay. faster. Then. Okay. This has been a Rick Dostey Podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.